So I got asked this question. This guy was like, hey, he DM me. He goes, Sean, big fan. Um, what the whatever the next sentence you type to me, I'm gonna do it or I'll die trying. And I was like, okay. <laughs> and then he's like, he's like, I'm gonna get to ten thousand dollars a month of passive uh, passive income profits after you know, and you know, I'm thinking either A, I start a newsletter, B, I do this other thing, and this it was like all like kind of like stuff we don't either stuff we do or like topics we talk about, like e-commerce newsletter or this other thing. Which one do you think is going to get me there the fastest or the best? Like, which one's the best path? And I was like, I don't know, dude, those all seem pretty hard to get to 10K a month. Like, you know, if I heard, if I wanted, if your goal is really 10K a month, um, you know, I don't know, a job will probably get you there. But if let's take that off the table for a second, let's assume you don't want a job or you, you don't have maybe the degree to get a, a six figure job. I was like, I would just do a productized service. Dude, Sean, so here's the deal. We are officially more, we're, we're popular enough that you have to get your podcast set up right. So what I'm going to do is, <laughs> I talked to Ben, we're having someone come to your house and my house, and they're going to put a two camera setup. So they're going to uh, like cut back and forth, but you've got to make that room, and they'll help you, but you're going to have to make that room look good, and it's going gonna, it's gonna to be ready every time. Dude, that's great. Um, also... Related to that, I found a new house that I might move into that's way nicer. And I was like, uh, my main motivation was to make this podcast look better. I was like, you know, I kind of look like a scrub on this podcast. Like, you know, like right now, I don't have my haircut, don't have my beard trim, don't have my my room nice. I was like, if a hundred thousand plus people consume this every time, like I would never go out in front of a stadium like this. <laughs> like, right. I wouldn't even let three friends come to my house and look at my office like this. Why do I let a hundred thousand people see the office, see, see the recording studio like this simply for convenience. But, uh, there's that also I found on, uh, have you ever used peer space? It's like yeah. a, uh, Airbnb for rentals that are not houses, like not necessarily houses to stay in. It's like just for a, a venue. And there's a, a place near me for 75 bucks an hour for recording podcasts. That's like a two camera setup with a sick couch and stuff like that. It'd be great for in-person stuff, but if we're not in person, you know, it's just me sitting on a giant couch. I'm going to do it. I'll come out there and we'll finally do it. Ben wanted me to come out there, but I didn't want to fly, but whatever, I'll do it. I was talking to HubSpot or someone and I was saying like, Hey, yeah, give us budget to make our studio nice. Cause we're like the lowest maintenance people you have. I was like, for example, two weeks ago, Sean recorded a podcast, but literally just one AirPod because he didn't have a mic <laughs> and the other AirPod ran out of batteries. So he just used his AirPod and his laptop. So like, I think we're due. We're owed one. That's hilarious. Um, also, um, what I was going to say, oh, there's this guy. I wish I could give my shout out. I don't know what his name is, but I kind of want to steal his idea. So this guy has this course. It's an on-demand course that is only about how to make your video camera go from like a before to an after. And I was like, oh, this is the smartest course I've ever seen. Ben knows his yeah, name. I don't think. Ben, you know his name? Yeah, his name is Kevin Shen. Kevin Shen, yeah. Actually, I shouldn't shout. Bleep that out. I'm going to make it my own competitor course. So bleep this guy out. I'm, I'm going to copy him. No, but I, but I really your your setup sucks, dude. It's like it's like a fat person giving a Bro, course on how to lose weight. I'm the before story. Just <laughs> wait till you see my after. You're, you're the way before story. <laughs> I, the, we all know. There's the way before. There's the before, and then there's the after. <laughs> I'm currently in a before. You should, the way before was the one AirPod recording on no microphone yeah, last with week. no light. Uh, yeah. <laughs> and we're, we're gonna, I'm going to do the after. And then I'm just going to turn that into a 
it's a one hour thing and it just says here's the thing to buy and then because here's the problem i've watched a bunch of these youtube tutorials and they're like oh yeah, yeah go get the sony a5 or you can get the a6 or you can get the d340 and it's like all right well, well dude which one and then you buy it and they're like yeah just connect it to your computer and then okay see now it looks good and i was like yeah but you like there was like seven things in between there that like everything went wrong and they're like okay you know you want to there's one guy yeah, who's like confusing. you know there's some people show you how to put your lights up or whatever, but dude, this is the new, um, like your webcam is the new face, like the new business is basically, yeah. yeah, it's your suit. It's like what people see. Um, like this one time, this guy told me, he goes, he goes, yeah, dude, I, I he's like, I spent, he's like, I, I gotta go get my haircut. I'm, I, and I was like, how much you spend on your haircut? Cause I was like, I, he has nice hair. And I was like, it kind of made it sound like a big deal. Like I can't do anything today. I gotta go get my haircut. And I was like, I just kind of like, you know, it's like in the middle of another task, I'm getting my haircut. Like, that's kind of how I, I yeah, roll. Yeah, like if the great clip yeah. just so happens to be in the mall that you're at. Yeah, exactly. Like, which supercuts do you go to? <laughs> and he was like, he was like, yeah, no, I go to this one place. She's been cutting my hair for years. I go, I have a standing appointment. And blah, blah, blah. I was like, damn, dude, you're like really into your hair. And he goes, your hair is like half of your face. <laughs> and I was like, oh, shit. That's so true. <laughs> yeah, but you're not into the other half either. So it's all good. <laughs> <laughs> right like you don't so moisturize or anything like, i was like damn he's right i'm just leaving 50 percent up to supercuts. Like, <laughs> that ain't right <laughs> like good hair is like an extra two inches of height as far as like you know that goes so anyways hey let's take a quick break to tell you about our sponsor there's no secret formula for customer service there is an all-new service hub from HubSpot, and it's bringing service and support together in one platform so you can deliver the best experiences possible. You can free up your customer support reps' time with an AI-powered help desk, so you can easily support and grow your customer base. The secret's out. Service hub is a game changer. Visit HubSpot.com slash service to learn more. Dude, um, speaking, of being, about even. speaking of being really good-looking, did you see the tweet that happened today? So this woman, uh, this like good-looking woman and her good-looking husband... Hey, DM. hey, she's married, dude. Back they're, they're both handsome. Um, they're 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 they're, they're a beautiful couple. And they uh, she sent me this message basically, and I shared the the screenshots on Twitter. But basically, a year ago, you tweeted something. I sent you the tweet. I actually forget what. Do you, do you remember what it was? No, I, I didn't see the tweet. What was the original tweet? Should be so, is it interesting? Yeah. Does it matter? Uh, she said it was like really cringe that she even replied to it in the first place. But here, I'll pull it up. So basically, uh, you said. Um, I have zero interest in buying a fancy car. You know what I want? A personal in-house chef. I can't think of a better way to spend money on, than a chef. How do I start one? How do I start getting one next week? And she replied like, hey, hire me. I'm a chef, but I've got about 32 other skills, uh, whatever. And this guy DM'd her and she said that they were just talking about like, I guess the chef business or something like that. Uh, <laughs> yeah, I mean, it was clear what was going on in the get-go, but he like, she said, he, she's, <laughs> She sent me the first message and it just they were just like talking, shooting the shit. Then he's like, she, he's like, hey, whatever the thing you're talking about, I'm super interested. Tell me more about whatever that was. <laughs> well, and he's from Indiana. He's from Indiana and she's from Ireland. And so she's in Europe. He's in America. And they start talking back and forth the DMs. Then they get on a call and she said they hit it off. And after two weeks of just constant calls, he booked a flight to Europe. And for two weeks, they, they like had this great time. And then now a year later. So they're, uh, she moved to America. Uh, it's been a year about since that tweet. They're getting married in a couple months. 
And it was all because she said that she listened to MFM and read The Hustle. She started listening to this. She started commenting on your stuff and my stuff. He noticed that. And then they like, I think his in was like talking about like the pod and like, oh, you like them too? <laughs> and uh, it totally worked. She sent me a picture of them. They're, they're both, I mean, they're both tens. It's a good looking couple. So uh, our new tagline is MFM, getting you paid and laid. Yeah, there you go. Yeah, and uh, I am sure all of our listeners are as good looking as them. Yeah, I don't think so, but they uh, they, they did a good job. But I was I was showing this to my mom, and I'm like, see, not it's not just neckbeards that listen to this. Like, it's actually like you know, like real people who like shower and stuff. But it looks good. I'm happy for these people. So shout out to them. Maybe we should do a date night every um, nine months. And we should just bring together listeners and it's just be dating and let's just see what happens. It's going to be like, like, right. Like, like, you know, Greg and Steve, everyone's going to be named like Chris and Tucker. Like it's going to be all guys. <laughs> <laughs> like, <Yeah>. so, <laughs> so only well, come if you're looking for a man. <laughs> yeah, you, you, exactly. <laughs> yeah, exactly. Uh, <laughs> uh, see, we got the tagline too. So it's perfect. Um, that is a pretty cool moment though. I'm glad that that happened. That's kind of crazy that that happened. And, uh, but Ben, uh, producer Ben, young producer Ben, we need your story. Did you do anything bold when you met your wife? Did you do like this guy? A pretty bold move, right? Slide into the DMs. Yeah. Figure out some excuse to call each other every day, then book a flight, go over there and fall in love, get married. That's kind of amazing. Did you, either of you guys do any bold moves? Uh, we were set up on a blind date and it was my boss at the time, CEO. Uh, my, actually, my boss's boss's boss, the CEO of the company I was working for. Um, I ran into him one night and he was like, Oh, do you know, Katie Jowers, you have to take her out. And so he sent a text to both of us. It was like, it sounded like a work email. He was like, Katie, I have CC Ben here. He's a great employee and will take you on a nice date. And I was like, all right, well, I guess I'm locked in. <laughs> Why did he know that you should take her out a date? Well, you guys, was she Mormon too? Yeah. Yeah. This was Utah. So we're all Mormon. How, Everyone in the story is Mormon. And how tall is she? <laughs> She's 5'11". Well, there, that's why. He's and... like, you guys are both big, tall, white Mormons. You should uh, procreate. <laughs> Again, you're describing everyone in the state of Utah, though. Like, the whole population is tall, white Mormons. You said it like it was a movie twist. You're like, but here's the thing. I'm Mormon. She was Mormon. Everybody <laughs> in the story was Mormon. <laughs> like, it's like the end of The Sixth Sense. It's like he was a ghost, and I'm a yeah. ghost. <laughs> this whole thing, this whole movie's about ghosts. <laughs> that's awesome. Um so no, 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 no great DM. Sorry, dude. All right. I have, wow. some, I have something interesting that I saw, Sean. I posted a link to this subreddit, to, to this Reddit post that I saw right before I logged into this, uh, to, to the podcast and I uh, linked it to you. So basically there's this subreddit called Fat Fire that I like. I've sent it to you. And every once in a while you get these amazing stories about people because they reveal like their income and things like that. And I've been following this lawyer. He's a 38 year old. Explain what fat fire is. Yeah. So fat fire. People don't know what fat fire is. So fire stands for financially independent retired early. Traditionally, it's like a movement of people who want to save like 500,000 to a million dollars and live off of like 30 or $40,000 a year. That's not exactly what it means, but that's like traditionally like with the stereotype. Fat fire means you want to retire in early and be financially independent, but you want to be doing it fat. So you want to like, you know, save like $20 million dollars or something like that. So you want to start a company, sell it, and retire. And so it's people who want to retire while they're young and uh, do it by still living living la- lavishly. And it sounds douchey, but it's actually quite interesting. It's all like entrepreneurs, bankers, tech people who like work at a... It's just like rich people shit, and which is always fun to like be voyeuristic. 
And so there's this guy, he's a 38-year-old personal injury lawyer. And for the past four years, he's given an update every couple of years, and he explains everything that's going on in his business. And so his background is basically that he was a normal, he went to a good school and then worked at one of the big law firms, which is like something that you like grind for 80 hours a week and hopefully climb your way up. And eventually you make a million dollars a year after 10 or 15 years, but it's kind of boring and you're like kind of like the, your boss's bitch for a long time and it just kind of sucks. And so he goes, you know what? Screw this. A friend of his got hurt and he goes, hey, I'll represent you. Uh, just pay me whatever's fair. And then he did and he won. And then a few other people started coming to him, just word of mouth. And so he was doing this in the evenings uh, while he was still working his main job. And after a year, he quit to do his own thing. That's when his uh, income from his moonlighting became bigger than his normal thing. So fast forward now, um, I believe it's been about eight years since he's been doing this. So 2014 to 2022. And he's listed out his income as well as his net worth, breaking it down by assets for every single year. So in year one, it was $300,000, two, $600,000, $800,000, $1.2 million, $3 million, $5.6 million, $6 million, $6 And this year so far, three point three, and it's going to be $8 million this year. And that's personal income. Basically, he, he has these posts where he breaks down exactly how his businesses work, what his current plan is, what his growth challenges are, what his marketing is. And basically, he's got like five attorneys that work for him and he's slowly built up to that. He gets a little bit of cut of all that they have. Uh, they have 300 cases that they do a year. Um, he talks about growth challenges, which is that they're struggling with the CRM. They don't have a CRM. Everything's done manually, manually and it's a lot of work. And one of his goal is, goals is to automate a lot of stuff. But it's incredibly fascinating for two reasons. One, this is a sick business, right? Like It's like a, just a 37-year-old smart person, but he doesn't seem like that particularly extraordinary, but he's like killing it now. He says that his net worth is currently $5.8 million uh, and his kids have a trust fund of $1.7 million. And then secondly, why this is cool, for a couple of reasons. One, Alex Hermosi had this business. Alex Hermosi was a guest here. He had this business called Gym Launch, where he basically worked with gyms where he they, you paid him twenty dollars or $30,000 and he set up your whole CRM and he set up all the automated emails for onboarding and just kind of set up the automation flow. Someone should do that for these personal injury attorneys. This is awesome. They have way more money than gyms, and there's probably <laughs> just as many of them. I, I have no idea, but probably. Um, I don't know. What do you think about this post? This is pretty cool, right? Hey, let's take a quick break to tell you about our sponsor. It is a podcast that we want you to check out. It's called D2C Pod. It's hosted by Ramon Berrios and Blaine Bolas. It is brought to you by the HubSpot Podcast Network, the audio destination for business professionals. And this is a podcast about all things direct-to-consumer, D2C. It's e-commerce stores. It's how you optimize your brand. And they're talking with founders, marketers, and the platform creators about all kinds of things that you need to know for D2C. You know, website conversion, paid ads, Facebook ads, consumer trends, email marketing, if you want to know the stories behind your favorite brands, this podcast is for you. They did an episode recently about scaling creator growth and influencer incentives. That I thought it's pretty cool. So check it out. Listen to DTC Pod wherever you get your podcasts. I can't find this client info. Have you heard of HubSpot? HubSpot is a CRM platform, so it shares its data across every application. Every team can stay aligned. No out-of-sync spreadsheets or dueling databases. HubSpot. Grow better. This is great. I don't go on Fat Fire as much as you do. Um, I do it from time to time, but I don't like, I don't know, I need to like add it to my feed or whatever. Uh, but yeah, this is great. 38 years old, $15 million, $15 million net worth, not five. Uh, oh, so sorry. 15.8. Yeah. Uh, and then the $6 million in annual income is actually the more stunning part. Like, I'm not surprised that a lawyer at 40 can have $15 million in, in net worth. It's the $6 million in annual income that's sort of like stunning, which makes me want to understand 
this personal injury lawyer business better. Like he says, like, you know, I do no marketing. I basically just hand out business cards. Plus I get referrals from my existing clients. Um, but that is a ton. That is a ton of like take home from your, like your legal practice. I don't think that's common. So I wonder what he's doing. That's uncommon. Like he talks about, look, these cases basically like, you know, it's not about more cases, like 300 cases could end up being worth more than 3000 cases because, you, you know, you get paid based on the outcome, you know, the, the profits of the, of the cases, but man, I think kind of weird. Like, is it, no, I don't think that's, uh, so this guy's in Southern California. So maybe he's in San Diego. So it's a pretty big city. But I think if you look at the top 20 cities in America, if you look at the billboards, it's always personal injury, uh, lawyers. And there's this one guy (laughs) in, um, in Austin and Austin's like a top 15 city maybe. And he says that his earnings are, I, I forget exactly what it says his earnings are, but I looked him up on Instagram and he's got a collection of like 15 Ferraris. He was in the newspaper because he had a birthday party for his daughter or for himself. And he had like Rod Stewart or someone crazy. And he spent like 3 million on that. And they talked about his home and he was donating checks for two or $3 million. And that was in Austin. Uh, his name was Thomas, I think something Thomas. And I think I know a personal injury attorney in St. Louis and he's got a mansion in Miami. He's got a place in St. Louis where we're from. I mean, I think some of these guys could could really roll in it and be netting ten or twenty a year. Yeah, this is it's wild. And I like that idea of the the, the gym launch for X. Um, I think you're right with lawyers. Like I see this right now. My my father in law has senior living facilities, and he's always like, you know, I'm like, how's biz? And he's like, oh, it's good or it's bad. But his thing is always just like. You know, we have a, a 64 bed facility and every bed in the facility. So like, let's say so this is like a, a senior living care center. So basically what he does, his model is like he'll buy one. So say it has 32 beds, but it's permitted for up to up to 80. And just the current owner, like, doesn't really have the motivation or the construction experience. And so he'll he just looks for that first. He's like, all right, you have a good business and I can expand. I can just double the number of beds, which will double the net income of this roughly, which will double the value of this property. So if I'm buying it for four, this will be worth eight to 10 by the time I'm done with it. And I got to put in 2 million in construction, just round numbers, just for, for argument's sake. Then he has a, a management company that will actually like run the thing. Cause I was like, dude, do you know how to run a senior living facility? Like, isn't that hard and weird? And he's like, well, like I don't go there. Like I, <laughs> I hired this, I found one really good property management company and they run all my properties. And I was like, wow, okay. He's like, yeah, she's been doing this for 30 years. That's what she does. And like, she, you know, she gets a cut. Um, and then the other thing he was saying, he was like, you know, it's all about occupancy, right? Just like any hospitality type of business, you know, every bed they pay us on average, let's say six to $8,000 per month. Um, so, you know, if we just get like four more bookings, you know, these are, th- that adds an extra, whatever, you know, $30,000 a month or whatever to our, um, to our revenue, which is, which is great. And so he, what he'll do is I'm like, so every time I ask him, how's business going? He's just like, oh, it's good. We lost two clients. Uh, you know, we're going to, we're going to place another one today. And I'm like, I'm like, how do you get clients? And he's basically like, oh, you know, we kind of like, she networks with the hospitals. They know her. So they send her some people. I'm like, do you advertise at all? He's like, no, how do I do that? And I was like, oh shit. I was like, like if somebody Google searches, like, you know, senior living near me and like your, your city name, like do you come up? And he's like, no. <laughs> and, and there's like these aggregators, like these search engines that they like, they SEO rank to the top. Um, but I was like, I knew a guy. I feel I, like if you just did like, 
Dude, I knew a guy who owned one of those search engines and he was making a couple million bucks a year. And basically he would come up on top on Google and then sell the lead for $200 to your your guy. And he would buy that lead and then hopefully close them to make 8000 a month. Exactly. And so I was like, you should either be buying these leads, you should set up some referral system, you should take you know local newspaper ads, local magazines, like, you know, I don't know, you got to do something on the marketing side. And he's just like, I don't know that like. Basically, he looks at marketing the way I would look at what he says, which is, well, like, just do a renovation and, like, take it from 32 beds to 64 beds and then get the permits for the memory care from the city and then do this and that. It's like, what? Like, I got to read this manual and figure out, like, what color the elevator buttons need to be. Like, I'm out. I I just can't do this. I fail. And, like, that's what, dude, set up a Google AdWords account, like, feels like to him. And so I think there's that arbitrage, which is basically how many people are there that are injury lawyers, senior living centers, pool construction companies that just simply don't know digital marketing. And like, can you build a either a lead gen business or go like consult and help them and like take a share of the increase in revenue, like gym launch. It just seems like that is one of like, um, that is one of the easiest ways to do it. So I got asked this question. This guy was like, Hey, he DM me, he goes, Sean, big fan. Um, what the, whatever the next sentence you type to me, I'm going to do it or I'll die trying. And, I was like, okay, okay. <laughs> and then he's like, he's like, I'm going to get to $10,000 a month of passive, uh, passive income profits after, you know, and you know, I'm thinking either a, I start a newsletter B I do this other thing. And this it was like, all like kind of like stuff we don't either stuff we do or like topics we talk about like e-commerce newsletter or this other thing, which one do you think is going to get me there the fastest or the best? Like which one's the best path? And I was like, I don't know, dude, those all seem pretty hard to get to 10K a month. Like, you know, if I heard, if I want if your goal is really 10K a month, um, you know, I don't know, a job will probably get you there. But if let's take that off the table for a second, let's assume you don't want a job or you, you don't have maybe the degree to get a, a six figure job. I was like, I would just do a productized service. He's like, what does that mean? I was like, OK, even just skip productized, just a service. I was like, totally. you know, basically find one niche of a business and figure out how, what you can do that helps them make more money. So I was like, maybe it's just email marketing services for e-commerce companies. Maybe it's lead gen for pool construction companies. Maybe it's, um, you know, this, it's like, you know, the, the gym launch playbook where it's like, yeah, I'll just do sales calls for you. And like, I'll help you close X, you know, new customers every month, or, you know, I'll make your website convert 1% better, you know, through a series of experiments and you pay me a flat fee of, Four, four grand a month. And like that 1% for you is going to be worth at least 10 X more than that. You know, th- these are the simplest things. I was like, and then what do you do? How do you get clients? Like, let's assume you don't have any money. You create content that just talks about like, for example, if you're doing conversion rate optimization for an e-commerce store, you just post, check out what these guys do in their add to cart, you know, in their cart shopping cart that improve, improves conversion by 8%. Check out what these guys do with their email pop-up. Check out what these guys do with their checkout buttons and we did this change and this change, this percent, or like, here's a collection of the best, you know, whatever, uh, designs for landing pages. And people will see that and they'll be like, oh yeah, that's smart. And they'll, one time you do it, they'll be like, huh, that's smart. The second time they'll be like, hmm, those are smart. Third time you do it, they'll be like, he's smart. Let me just hire this guy. Uh, like, I just want this problem solved. And like, you could do that and you can get to 10, 20, 30 K a month of profit. And that is a way better path than like, I think what most people think about doing instead. Yeah. And also I hate that question because I get that all the time too. I'm like, I don't fucking know, man. What are you good at? Like, I, I, you know, I, I don't know, like go play in the NBA. Like I, 
I have to know like what your attributes are. <laughs> I hate that question. I'm just like, <laughs> you know what I mean? It's the stupidest question ever. I cannot stand that because <laughs> they just want me to like tell them what to do. You like that one. They just want me to tell, tell them what to do. But it, when you have zero context, it's just useless bullcrap advice. Yeah, I, I, I can see that. But also, I don't know. I kind of empathize like. Uh, I empathize, unless you, but I think it's stupid. I can, I can, well, I can understand why you asked that and think it's stupid. <laughs> I understand why you're doing this stupid thing. I yeah. totally get it. <laughs> yeah, I, I would have. I asked that question too, and now I know it's it's not the right question. Yeah, but then you got to follow up with what is the right question. Well, you just need more context, you know. Ah, um, uh, oh, who's stupid now? Who's stupid now, stupid? <laughs> well, I never said I wasn't either. Dude, did you know that Elon Musk... Do you know Elon Musk has a sister? <laughs> what, what kind of amazing subject is that? No, uh, no, I didn't know that. I only knew about Kimball Musk. Okay, well, she's, Elon's got a sister. And she owns this thing called passionflix.com. It's basically like uh, audio erotica, I believe. Like, uh, like, like... You know, like, uh, uh, it's it, the tagline is I'm familiar. Yeah. More of a video guy myself, but all right. Yeah. I guess you could always close the tab. Just listen. <laughs> the subject or the tagline is passion flicks. Get your passion on romance on demand for $6 a month. And, uh, it's basically romance novels, which we had talked about, uh, in your ears, I guess. Yeah. Like audiobooks. Um, but I mean, you know, do we do we get credit for this? Like, does Elon Musk sister listen to the pod? Because we've been talking about this for a long time. And you, I think you should tell the story again because the pod's much bigger than the first time. Tell your story about the romance novel thing. Tell first the story about how you did it for the hustle as a marketing stunt, and then what you yeah. did with uh, with our buddy. All right. So for the hustle, when we the very first article we ever launched, we had to come out with a bang. And I knew this guy who basically would plagiarize others, other people's books on how to sleep with women. And he would get a Filipino to rewrite it. So it passed the Kindle plagiarism like filter. And then he would game it by buying reviews. And he was making 50 to $60,000 a month. And like, I would joke with him, but I was like, dude, th A, this is super unethical. And B, you don't even sleep with women. Like you don't know anything about this topic. I can't believe you're like living this lie, but whatever. He was making money. And so we wrote an article about that when it first came out. And to prove that it was legit, because a lot of people didn't believe us, we go, fine, watch, we're going to copy this and do and do it. And instead of doing in like the how to sleep with women category, uh, we did it for romance, uh, the romance category. Because if you look at the, the, the liquidity of the marketplace on Amazon, romance novels has the most amount of buyers and also like the most amount of transactions. Like these women are always buying this stuff. And so we like looked at like what the popular categories were. And there was like women who want to have sex with like a werewolf. There was like women who want to have sex with um, like military people. And so we made like a like it's a like fantasies, right? Yeah. Like, and so we like made like a, a military guy, a rich billionaire guy, right? That's Fifty Shades of Grey, a vampire. That's Twilight, right? That, that's how yeah, these fantasies vampire. Work. That's what so we made it like a military vampire werewolf guy. We like combined all of them. And then we found like <laughs> <laughs> like the title. Is like that the, really what you did? <laughs> yeah. Well, we found well, we did that for the title. So we found a book that was good and we just like plagiarized it. And then, like, made the title, like, in the description about, like, a vampire, werewolf, military guy, a billionaire. I, I forget. Like, it was like a joke. We did all of them. <laughs> and then we gamed the system. So in a couple weeks or in a week, we were the number one best selling in a particular category. And we, like, changed our LinkedIn. So, like, best selling author. 
And because yeah. uh, <laughs> we were like, how do we get like speaking gigs now? And which I didn't know at the time, but we actually plagiarized the largest romance publisher in the world, Harlequin Books. And they called us. I thought they were going to like sue us because they sent this angry email. And, and, and then in the email or on the call, they're like, look, we get it. You're 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 making you're not really making fun of romance novels. You're making fun of this like Kindle thing, which we agree is silly. But you use us as an example. No big deal. We get it. But you got to take it down. So we took it down. So whatever. And so I've always been curious about this industry. And so about two years ago, three, maybe three years ago, my friend Ramon and I, we created this website called Captivating. I don't know. What was it called? The first book was called Captivating Claire. Uh, what was this? <laughs> that was the book of the book that we launched, Captivating Claire. What was the book? Was it uh, Short Boat Romantic? We launched a website called shortboatromantic.wordpress.com. And we basically, we got someone on Fiverr. <laughs> we got someone on Fiverr. By the shortbyromantic.wordpress.com is the least short and least romantic <laughs> domain you could possibly have chosen. <laughs> yeah, it was horrible. And, and so we, uh, we created Short But Romantic. And we, and we got someone on Fiverr to write like a part one of like a, like a sexy story thing. Like, I, I, frankly, I didn't even read it. And then we got another Fiverr guy to narrate it. And then we put it on the website and we said part one of like Captivating Claire or whatever it was. And it was like, read the story. And then at the end, it said, do you want part two? Sign up here for $25 a month and we'll send one of you one of these every single day. And we put ads on Facebook for it. And I made like, uh, I found like this girl that I went to college with. And I it was like, hey, can I use your face on this uh, this website and act like you're the author and like you're the one behind it? Because it wouldn't look good if it was me. And so we did. And we got like $500 in revenue in like 12 hours because the ad rate was crazy. <laughs> and if you went to the website, people were commenting on this saying like, this story is amazing. I love this. I want more of this. You saw it, right? Yeah. I remember the, I remember seeing the prototype and I it was like, dude, Sam is a genius, man. Like, I love how you spin these things up. I love the names that you pick. I love the, like the speed to product speed to launch. Um, I love the way that you did the test, which was most people would go and spend months trying to find an author and write a book. And you were like, you know, you just were like, okay, werewolf military, uh, <laughs> you know, blonde girl named Claire. Claire wants to feel, uh, captured. No, Claire wants to feel, you know, con con contemplated. No, uh, captivated. Yes. Sorry. Captivating Claire. Um, Claire wears a red dress and bumps into this billionaire and his hand grazes her thigh and that's it. We got it. All right. We're working now. And like, I, can just see, I saw the website and I just saw your fingerprints all over it. Dude. So I was like, I remember being so impressed and I tried, we invested in our buddy for this. Cause I was like, dude, this is a great market to be in. And if you're kind of growth hacky, you're going to do this. And if nobody else is doing this, right? Like, it was like, there's so little competition because most, most serious people could never bring themselves to do this. So it's just you're going to compete with the other not so serious people that are out there on Earth. And like I would put our skills up there with any of them. Yeah, absolutely. And it was a good idea, actually. But the thing that was the the thing that was the thing was like, I don't give a shit about this. Neither did he. You know, like this was exactly what we weren't exactly fueled by this uh, passion to create these like sex novels. And so we kind of like shut it down. But a listener, a podcast listener did something like this and he spun it up, I think, to 10,000 in revenue a month, like really fast. Right. Yeah, that's what I think so. And then also um, there was a difference. I think there's a difference between like literal audio porn and then like romance novels. And this, I think, passion flicks that Elon, what Elon Musk's sister is doing is the uh, the romance novels uh, on demand. 
$5.99 a month. So I actually think this is a great idea. Um, you know, I, I may say, I think this is a great idea. If you're good at internet marketing and you're like, you know, got a good sort of sense of humor about yourself, I think that this is a, uh, a business that will work if you apply enough pressure. It's hard though, to like stay excited about it for a long time, unless you just love selling widgets. In fact, our buddy Ramon, the first time I met him, you introduced me to him. We go out to a lunch and he's telling me his life story and his life story is full of like substance. It's like, you know, I was raised in the Netherlands and then like, you know, I had this, I was kind of like out on my own at a young age. And then like, I have, I'm a single father to my son and blah, 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 like whatever. He you know, had a bunch of things that were like, you know, these journeys throughout his life, lifetime that were like, you know, these, these, I made you know, I train MMA. Like he seemed like a dude who like, you know, he really kind of like, you know, was self-made in many ways. And then I was like, so do you like, I kind of expected him to be like, you know, so that's why I'm working on this thing that has like this <laughs> deep meaning also. And I was like, so what was your last business? He's like, oh, um, created a soap opera blog and I sold it for $10 million. <laughs> and I was like, what? I was like, cause you love soap operas. He's like, no, never seen one in my life. I was like, what the hell? And I was like, how did this work? He's like, and there's a, he's the second episode of this podcast. So if you scroll all the way back to the second episode, I think it's Ramon. It's one of the best episodes ever that's been on the podcast feed. But basically he's like, yeah, I just went on Facebook and there was an arbitrage opportunity where like you could buy Facebook page likes. Facebook wanted to promote pages. So you could get, you could advertise a page for like, you could get a like for like a cent. And I just figured out, oh, cool. Once I get them to like my page, I could post a link. Then I'll get them to my website and like, okay, that costs like seven cents to get them to my website. And then. Google AdSense can give me nine cents or 12 cents or whatever. Like there's some like money arbitrage there. So he's like, so then I just had to figure out what is the, um, you know, what's the best category. He's like, so I spun up like 22 Facebook pages about every niche I could think of. And yeah, his niche was, it was like, it was like WWF wrestling and like soccer and like politics and just a bunch of like crazy stuff. Yeah. Oh, every interest you could think of. And he's like, okay, which one's the best? And he said the top, Three, I think, were wrestling. Uh, no, number one was like right wing conservative politics, yeah. which, you know, turned out to be like what Facebook, you know, really, really like overran Facebook also. And he was on. like, I just um, don't want to do this. It doesn't make anyone happy. Yeah. He, yeah. So that one, he's like, All right, I'm going to scratch that out. He goes, Then the next two are wrestling and soap operas. And he's like, All right, let's do soap operas. He never really told me that part, but whatever. So uh, details. So he he's like, all right, well, what do people care about? They care about like spoilers, like what's going to happen on tomorrow's days of our lives. And it turns out you could just like buy or like you could just sign up to get the like the sneak peek of like the synopsis of what happens tomorrow. And he would just like publish that as a long form thing. And he'd have he hired some people to write for it. And so some women were writing for this stuff, whatever. So he was doing that and he ends up selling the thing for 10 million in cash. Basically it was and, making like um, three, 400,000 a, a month investors. in profit. It was very profitable. Yeah. And so you, you, you met him. He, he reached out to you from the hustle. He goes, uh, here's my story. You know, I want to tell it. And you were like, no way. This sounds fake. And he's like, well, here's my analytics and here's my bank account. Like, go ahead and look. And you were like, what? And you guys met and yeah, you guys are like best friends. So you introduced me. You're like, Hey, uh, you in the email you go, Sean meet Ramon. I, and you're like, uh, Sean's a good buddy, smart guy, nice, like you know, normal intro stuff. And you're like, Sean, this is Ramon. I trust Ramon with my life. I do remember that because <laughs> it's it, it stuck out to me, right? It was like so. I don't know. This is one of those writing things. I'm like, wow, that was amazing. And then I met Ramon, and I also now trust Ramon with my life. He's just that kind of guy. 
And so he told me at that meeting, he goes, I was like, so you just, you just, you'll just work on whatever or like for your next thing, you know, are you going to do something like soap operas or whatever? He goes, you see this cup? And it was like a little, like, you know, at a restaurant, the, the water cups are the shitty plastic ones. He goes, um, if I could just move this cup from here to here and it's like, I make 10, I make a dollar doing that. Then I'm the, I'm a cup salesman. Like, he's basically like <laughs> I'll sell anything. Like, and so what ended up happening was he was going to do this romance thing. And you guys spun up this test and it started to work. And, um, but one of his other businesses that he had bought was like, started to work even better. And so he just kind of, ha- he tried to Which do was, both for a little while, but he's like, when that other one was equally as weird, it was a dog ramp business for wiener dogs so they can get on the couch. <laughs> yeah, actually, it's even worse than the plastic cup. He's like, <laughs> do you have a wiener dog? No. Uh, well, if you did, do you know that if they tried to jump on or off the bed, they could get hurt? Uh, I guess so. Yeah, we make them, we make it sell ramps for wiener dogs to get it on and off the bed. I was like, what? Yeah. And he was like, yeah, we'll do like, you know, 7 million this year. I was like, what the hell? And so, you know, then that business grew like crazy or whatever. Um, and so I was like, wow, this guy is like, you know, this guy, he was just so different than everybody else in Silicon Valley. I loved it. I loved how different he was. He lived here. But it was like an alien living in Silicon Valley. Like he just did not have anything to do with software or venture capital or like high tech stuff. He was literally like a like a cup salesman wandering around Silicon Valley making millions of dollars selling like the most arbitrary like, you know, gadgets like, you know, fidget spinners to, to you know, like elderly. When I first met him, um, he was wearing like sweatpants and like a shirt with holes in it and like old Jordans. And I was, And he's like a huge, like big white dude. And I'm like. And he has an accent, you know, and I was talking to him like, what? Who is this guy? And we start walking back to his car um, because I was going back to my office and I was walking to his car and I see he had a brand new Tesla at the time. The nicest, fanciest Tesla It was like $150,000. I was like, oh, sick car. He he was like, thanks, bro. Had to pay all cash for it because I don't have a credit score. And I was like, what? (laughs) I guess you're legit. (laughs) (laughs) <laughs> yeah and we we make him sound braggy but he is the opposite of braggy like he'll just be like like he'll just show up with something or like like i don't know like he'll do something that you're like that makes no sense whatsoever and then when you dig in it's because he like always takes the hard weird path to do stuff in this hilarious way and it's what makes him incredible i love it yeah he's crazy um like he'll, he'll, nice he person. got diagnosed with like a herniated disc and then like on the way home from the doctor, like signed up for an Ironman. And it's like, what are you doing? Why are you choosing? <laughs> I, I did the Ironman <laughs> with him. Why must you choose violence? Dude, <laughs> I did the Ironman with him. It was me, him and Suli and um, Ramon literally got last. He got last that he, he was so slow that he didn't train at all. He just showed up. And when he got <laughs> and when he showed up, he had this bike. And he was like, hey, could someone show me how I use these shoes that clip into the pedals? Like, you didn't know how to like, he was like riding his bike for like the first time, like taking the tag off of it. And uh, it, it's an Iron Man. It's really hard. And he got dead last, but he finished. Like, it, like oh, there yeah. was, they were like the golf cart was rolling behind him and it was getting dark at night and they were going to try They're about to pull him off the course, but he like pushed him off and he goes, I'm finishing. <laughs> oh, that's incredible. Um, all right, let's do, let's do some other ones. I got some, uh, okay. I got, 
I got an idea and then a really, I got a, a bad idea that I have and then a really good idea for a company that I just heard about. Which one do you want? The good one. <laughs> <laughs> uh, I would like enough. the best. <laughs> I've got a bad one and a better one. Do you want the better or the bad? <laughs> All right. So the great one. There's a company called Ghost um, that I just heard about. So this story to me is kind of incredible. So if you go the to WordPress the WordPress competitor. No, it's a new one. So GST, G, oh, sorry, G-H-S-T. So it's Ghost without the O. Um, I think it's Ghost.io is the name of it. Oh, this is so, already too, too new age for me. I'm out. No, no, no. You're going you're gonna to appreciate this. You're, gonna, you're out, but I'm going to bring you back in. Here's, here's the deal. So I heard about this because uh, this guy who's like a VC somewhere, he goes, back in 2020, um, our team started to notice a big shift that was going on with like stores like Walmart, Target, like any big store was that basically remember when COVID happened and like the supply chain shut down and like the fucking ship got stuck in the canal and like everything was just bad, like shipping container prices went through the roof. And so everybody had like a shortage right when demand went like through the roof because everybody was at home. Everybody was ordering tons of products and um, we we're all getting stimulus checks and stuff like that. Right. So that's like demand went way up to shop because people couldn't go do experiences and supply went way down and it was like this crazy situation. And so what happened was retailers, basically they ordered more to try to catch up because nobody knew how long the pandemic and stuff would go. And also like the stuff that got delayed, like finally showed up. But what that created was like this huge glut of excess inventory over a trillion dollars of excess inventory was kind of like the, uh, the guess. And so these guys, these, these venture capitalists sort of noticed this trend and they posted this, 26 page PDF called the inventory apocalypse is coming. And they were just like, look, we are looking at this, like a combination of people returning things, the supply chain glut, and then brands over ordering to try to keep up with like this, the explosion in e-commerce, right? Like, um, there's just too much inventory on hand. And this is all playing out now. Like that was in 2020, 2021, something like that. Now in 2022, if you go look, there's these amazing charts of like, all, if you notice all the, every brand is like discounting like crazy right now. They're like, Oh, 40% off summer sale, semi-annual sale, like liquidation, whatever. And it's because everybody has way too much inventory to hold. And so, um, and like target and Walmart, I think have come out and said some crazy public numbers, Ben, see if you could find it, like how much excess inventory is on the shelves, some absurd number. So anyways, these guys put this out. And at the same time, this startup gets started by this guy, Josh and D and, um, and, and D is kind of well-known in like the kind of like e-commerce world, um, and so they, they go and they start this company. Basically what they do is they, they're creating like a marketplace or a clearinghouse. So any, it's called ghost. Cause it's like any retailer, rather than doing a huge discount, which kind of like, it kind of cheapens your brand. It sort of just pulls forward revenue that like your customers probably would have spent full price, but like in order to move inventory, you kind of like, you, you gave it away cheaper and you, you know, you sort of eroded your premium uh, prices or whatever. Um, it basically connects them to the liquidators of the world. So there's like uh, TJ Maxx, Ross, Marshalls, like those types of companies. But there's also just like international versions of those companies. There's like boutiques and, and wholesalers that could carry your stuff. Uh, there's basically like a way to like get rid of inventory that's on your shelf that you're directly selling. And you could sell it wholesale for somebody else to kind of move. You'll take a discount with them. And that's better than giving a discount to your customers who like, then they'll get trained to expect and wait for 30, 40% discounts rather than paying the premium price. I'm back and in. So, 
This is awesome. So, Dude, I, I knew you'd come back in. Their site has five words on it, and it's beautiful. I look at their site, and it's literally five words. We make your inventory disappear. and the But the way that it looks... I love and it. And there's like a a, a a smoky cloud, like a goat, like a like something evaporated right behind. Yeah. It. And then basically, what it seems like what they're doing is they're creating a private marketplace. So this is key, right? Like it's got to be private, it can't be public. And it's a marketplace between your retailer who has excess inventory and these wholesalers and liquidators who will take this sort of like excess inventory. They'll pay, you know, they'll get it at a huge discount, and then they'll flip it on their own. That's their business. So it's kind of connecting these two through um through this b2b marketplace and i think the thing is growing like crazy so i think they said um let's see in the first year i believe they got to um multi-million dollar net revenue so not gmv uh profitably and they're like not even launched yet like you got to like sign up to do a demo and shit like that with them but just knowing what i know about like what's going on in e-commerce i could tell you this thing is going to be big like I, I need to chase these guys down to go invest in this because this is a real problem and the marketplaces are the best type of internet business, but like you, it sort of feels like all the, it's like all the good ones are tail. The good guys are taken. It's like, Oh, all the good marketplaces are taken. Like someone did it for, you know, Amazon did it for this. eBay did it for that. You know, Etsy does it for crafts. It sort of feels like there's no marketplaces left. I think this could be one of those multi-billion dollar marketplaces that comes out. Well, it's not a marketplace. It's just software, isn't it? No, it's but a marketplace. They're connecting just... buyers and sellers. They're connecting and the so wholesalers don't with all the retailers. But they, so the the fee they don't charge a fee to the people for using their software. It's it's just they'll set it up for free, which is probably it's a huge integration process. They set it up for free and then they make the transaction. They make a a, a transaction fee. That's my guess. So I think it's probably similar. I think one of the closest analogies is a company called Fair, which also does something similar. So Fair is like I have an e-commerce brand. I want other retailers like you know Susie's uh, you know gift shop to carry my product. Well, it'd be t consume, time consuming to go find all the Susie's corner shops, contact them, sell them my services, create purchase orders and like manage that whole thing. So fair created a marketplace to do that. And it's a like $10 billion company or something like that. It's like one of the, one of the faster growing startups that exists. Um, this is doing that, but more on the like larger liquidator types, like more like the TJ Maxx Ross, like, uh, types versus, um, you know, just like kind of so-and-so's boutique shop that wants to carry your stuff dude this is sick yeah you're right i'm in this is actually amazing um i'm eager to see how this plays out there's nothing on on the internet about them though so like when i research it i can't find a thing yeah i think they literally just came out of stealth yesterday basically so um that's that's how we saw it um let me tell you uh, uh okay now can i tell you my bad idea it's also in the e-commerce space so how do we want to put this? Let me sell you. Let me sell you on this. Let me turn on the charm a little bit. Sam, you're a good looking dude. Um, in fact, I would say whatever you wear tends to look good. I feel like if I almost wore that same shirt, it wouldn't look as good, right? Because you got the body. You don't need, you don't need to go pay, you know, crazy amounts of money at, you know, whatever. Scotch and soda, our favorite brand here at My First Million. You don't got to go pay for the fancy stuff because honestly, if you dress in basic blacks and whites, neutral colors, um, you'll look good. And in fact, you. there are a lot of people that are out there that may not be as fit as you, but they do subscribe to the same philosophy, which is they're kind of just want to opt out of the fashion game. Like I went to Lululemon to go, I just wanted something that's high quality that fits well. And I went and I found a pair of shorts and a, and a t-shirt and, um, the shorts were $85 and the t-shirt was like, you know, whatever, $77 for 
one, right? And so if I just wanted to have really awesome basics, like high quality basics that are um, premium, premium like material and fit, but uh, I don't care about the brand name. I'm not looking for the status. Uh, where would I go today to get that? Do you have a, a place in mind where I might go for something like that? For plain t-shirts, clean, fresh tees. Those are my fave. $10 t-shirts that fit pretty good. And that's mostly yep. it for, for, for basic shit. And so there's, there's that there's like, let's say Italic. I think Italic does this with, uh, I think, I don't know if you're also an investor in Italic. I am, but like, no, but they I like do it, it with cool stuff like handbags and scarves and like a lot of designery type of stuff. It's like a wider selection. But I think that somebody can go create the Costco for clothes. And what do I mean <laughs> by this? I think you can create a business model that flips it on its head instead of paying the 4X, 5X, 6X, 7X markup that you pay today, when you go buy a shirt and you buy a shirt for $25, that shirt probably costs $5 to make. Is that true? And so, yeah. So you're going to, you're, I think on average, you're going to be paying some between something between three and four X is like a normal markup. And then if you, once you get into like Lululemon and luxury, you're going to be paying more like probably six or seven X is my guess here. Um, they're public, so you could go find their their actual like margins. But like, let's assume that's what, what about like a Louis Vuitton thing? What about like a five hundred dollar Gucci shirt? Those, those are different. You're buying those literally for the status. Um, so let's let's put them as a separate category. I'm focusing on more of like you go buy something from Nike or from Lululemon or Aloe Yoga or like whatever these brands that are like you're just trying to have a high quality version of a of a fairly basic uh, thing. But there's like some status component. What I'm saying is let's strip away the status. So I'm saying yeah, basic girl stuff. Yeah. You create a company called neutral and neutral basically just it opts out of the fashion game. It says, first of all, I don't need your status. I don't need your brand name. Second of all, I don't need your fancy designs. Third, I don't need to pay five X markups because what a waste. Like what if I just want to pay for the actual cost of the goods? And so what it is, it's a membership like Costco where Costco's model is you pay whatever, a hundred something ish bucks a year for the membership. And then they give you all the groceries at cost plus 10%. And the 10% is just there, like the labor and the stocking and the, the stuff it takes to actually like move the goods around. Um, and so because of that, you get incredible value at a Costco. Moms love shopping at Costco for that reason. Uh, they're not sacrificing on quality. They just are sacrificing on the fluff, the, the packaging, the branding, the shelves, the store experience. And they say, screw that. I don't need to have a fancy display in the store. I don't need to have fancy packaging. Like, just give me the stuff raw. Um, I'll pay the, the actual goods cost plus 10%. And I'll pay you the membership fee because, hey, for me, I make back the membership fee within you know, my first month or two of shopping with you. I think somebody could do that with all basics for clothing. And just say, we're going to go get the same quality as like whatever the highest quality, you know, fit and, and materials are for like, you know, these fancy lemon type brands and just provide it at the actual cost. So you'd be buying like that same shirt for, for eight or nine dollars. And it's a step up from like Hanes and H&M or whatever, but you're getting it at and, you, and the marketing is that, hey, you're paying nothing for the brand name. In fact, there's no brand on this. It's like brandless, right? Um, all you got to do is pay the membership fee and make this happen. Now, the counter argument is there was a company that tried to do this called Brandless. They tried to do it with like homeware and shit like that. They went yeah, out I think massively that's harder, out of business. Though. I think that was harder. I think I think it, I think it's amazing. I think the problem there's basically like I asked myself like two or three questions when I'm like looking at which projects to start. The the it's basically like do people want this and can I pull it off? 
This right. one falls into the second category. Do people want this? Yeah, obviously. It's not going to be hard to get people to buy this shit. Can I possibly pull that off? That sounds so challenging. Like your experience Which part with, seems challenging. Uh, pulling it off. It, like, it seemed, like what? Like getting the products, like just the logistics of the, the having rest of the tons and life. tons of SKUs. Um, like that seems really hard. Uh, trying to get members to sign up profitably seems uh, a bit of a challenge. Is uh, Italic able to get? Uh, to, do they have any profit or no? Uh, I mean, I can't really say if they have profit or not, but like you know, they're doing well as in they're growing, so they are getting members to sign up. Uh, people are buying into the value proposition. They're retaining. The question is like, you know, there's some payback period. And is that, you know, if that payback period is like, you know, one month, wow, this is one of the best businesses ever. If it's 12 months, okay, you know, it's going to be, it's going to be more cash intensive. Well, you're the e type of business. You have an e-com company. Do you think, would you ever work on this? I wouldn't work on it just because knowing what I know now about e-commerce, I'm like, oh, there's easier ways to win. But if I was going to work in e-commerce, I think an idea like this is a better idea than 99% of e-commerce ideas. Because Why I think you'll you do... end up with subscription revenue. I think you're differentiated. And I think you appeal to the lowest common denominator. So you're like, you're not uh, like everybody needs shirts. So like there's some brands like Cuts and Fresh Clean Teas. These brands have scaled to like 100 million plus in revenue in, I don't know, three or four years. And you look at it, you're like, dude, really? It's just a t-shirt brand? And they're doing just the t-shirts like, you know, well like this. They're not offering it at the factory cost and they're not offering it on subscription, right? So that's the key difference here. But the fact that they've been able to scale that much without it, to me is like extremely impressive. And it just sort of speaks to the fact that like everybody needs shirts and it's like an everybody problem. Whereas like, like my e-commerce or like we talked about Ramon's dog ramp thing, like that only works if you have not only a dog, but a small dog, not even really a small dog, like a small dog that might get hurt and can't get up and down stairs or a bed very easily. And you want like, that dog. In that your applies bed. to me. That applies to me. Like I have three of Alpha Paws ramps in my house because like my dog is like this tiny little baby dog. You have like this massive self-sufficient dog that like, you know, has like a college <laughs> degree. So like you know, your dog doesn't need like a, 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 a hand me down to like they are like a ramp to like, you know, get help him up, uh, you know, onto a couch. <laughs> Sorry, dude. My dog, the dog doesn't even drink water from a bowl. I have to like carry her to the sink, and I my hand bitch, is a small man. bowl. I, my hand is a small bowl, and she drinks only fresh water from my hand. Dude, just keep it outside for a week. It'll toughen up. Like that's crazy that you do this. Oh, she doesn't even go dogs, outside, man. <laughs> How are you so soft, dude? <laughs> <laughs> you uh you just interviewed this guy rich roll who like does all these interviews and shit and you're like you're like the least like you don't even leave your house <laughs> yeah he was like he was like yeah i did this competition it was uh you know fantastic challenge 300 mile <laughs> run across three nights and like i was like what like, you know, <laughs> I was like, like I, I went to Target last week. <laughs> yeah, like, <laughs> I, I, no, I didn't. I Instacarted from Target last week, but like, I had to step foot outside to bring the groceries into my home, and it was like my toe got a little cold. Um, That's fucking hilarious. How are your dogs that bad? Uh, you know, whatever. You know, like dogs start to look like their owner. Like, you know, my dog is like a spoiled little brat and I'm a spoiled little brat about life too. I don't know. It's good. We, 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 we suit each other well. When my dog was young, 
uh, like every once in a while, like I would just be like, I'm just not going to feed you until you behave. <laughs> like, and it worked. <laughs> I'm, Dude, my dog doesn't I, <laughs> eat dog food, nor does she eat, like chicken or like anything that normal. My dog only eats clover 4% cottage cheese that's freshly scooped into her bowl oh mixed with a little bit of dog food with an appetizer bone before it. She won't eat it if you don't do it. If you don't do that, she's like, cool, I'll die. Like, I'll just die. You, if you're fine, blood's on your hands if you just want me to die. Like, she'll go five days without eating unless she gets her cottage cheese. Oh my God. That's your fault. That This is crazy. I can't believe you. you <laughs> For sure it's my fault. How old is the dog? When's it gonna, when will it die? Oh, well, bro, come on. <laughs> I mean, like, how long, here? like, how long will you, when will it die? <laughs> how long will you own this animal for? Uh, forever. A hundred years. That's how long I'm going to own my dog for. Dude, my, my dog is getting close to dying and I'm going to be hilarious, but I'm getting his, I'm getting his face tattooed on me and I'm just, <laughs> I'm going to have a tattoo of a massive pit bull face on my body. And I think it's going to be a, like the greatest thing ever. They're going to like, people are going to, I'm just going to be like this. This like walking, walking like what the fuck are you like this like yuppie bougie tech guy with pitbull tattoos on him? <laughs> I'm gonna be like driving. People are gonna be like they're not gonna know what to think. It's gonna be wonderful. Yeah, that's gonna be not even in your bottom three worst tattoos. <laughs> <laughs> We're into like twelve year olds. We should leave. <laughs> <laughs> we should leave. Yeah. Ben, you gotta just stop the recording when we cross whatever that line is. You gotta just be like, like we won't even re realize that it stopped recording. Just like, yeah, don't worry. For your own good, I cut you guys off. Like, I gotta be like the ago. elementary school teacher, like. Sam, we took a gold gold star off your chart after that comment. <laughs> yeah. By the way, you weren't here the other day, Ben, and we were like talking about something and we were like, shit, this sucks without Ben, like our moral compass. We don't know if this is right or wrong. Keeping you guys on the straight and narrow. Uh, all right. Well, what do we think? I think that was pretty good.